Hi, welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. My name is Eric Payne. I am your resident storyteller and the creator of this show. As we're nearing the end of season two, season of the wolf, there's been a small factor that I've been leaving out about the wolves that I've described at the beginning of most of the episodes of this season. And that is that they are very social animals by nature. They long for interaction with one another and they will spend a great amount of time communicating both verbally and non-verbally with one another. They use sounds and body language to stand their ground, but it's seldom that things become problematic. It's the social interaction that keeps them together as a pack. It's the social interaction that allows them to hunt together successfully. The only time being social doesn't work is during mating season, which, you know, makes sense. Rather than being a vicious, frightful, fighting animal, which of course they are when they eat, but who isn't technically frightening when they're hungry and they want to eat. The bottom line is that wolves are social animals. They long for social interaction. They long for the pack, aka family. The rhythm was good, the rhythm was great. The rhythm was good, the rhythm was great. The rhythm was good, the rhythm was great. The rhythm was good. The rhythm was great. I had women coming in and out of my life like Grand Central Station. It's amazing how just a simple tweak in your attitude, a simple tweak in your perspective, just changes everything. I became more personable, more affable, more direct. When I stopped wanting and was just going for, lack of a better word, sex. But it wasn't all roses. There were aberrations. And what were the aberrations? Um, I had a hunger. I was insatiable. The more women I met, the more women I wanted to meet. The more women I had, the more women I wanted to have. I was getting bolder and more brazen with my approaches. Wasn't sure if I was crossing paths with people because social media has caused the six degrees of separation to go down to maybe one or two at this point. It was crazy and I was tired. And there was this thing, my older sis that I used to work with, I filled her in on what was going on in my life because she hadn't heard from me in a while. And she said, Eric, you're a hoe. I didn't tell you to be a hoe. I didn't suggest that you be a hoe. I said, have fun. I said, don't take any of these dating situations too seriously. I didn't say do all this. You sound like a straight up hoe. Eh, you know. I didn't really get too offended by that. It was coming from a good place, and that terminology doesn't, for whatever reason, offend me. I wasn't proud of it, but it didn't offend me either. So I took it in stride, and I took it to heart. The insatiability had to do with the fact that there was something missing, something that wasn't being fed. Because as much as I loved loving up on all those women and loving up on the prospect of more women, I missed the constancy and maybe even the consistency of one woman because there were so many women in my life I didn't want to take anybody anywhere I didn't want to go to any art galleries with anybody I didn't want to be out with anybody because I did they were transients I didn't know how long they were going to be in my life I didn't know how long I was going to be in their life no one deserved my quality time and as as vocal and 
running off at the at the mouth as I am, as much as I like to communicate and make conversation, I was still very guarded as to who I actually was and what I actually did with my time outside of the bedroom. Extremely protective over time around my daughter. I'm not one of those parents that feels that, you know, my kid can hang out with me and another adult unless that adult is on the books as a platonic friend. And that's happened. And she's met many of my platonic friends, but no one else. I wasn't going to give anybody that kind of purview into my life. I didn't feel that anybody had earned it, but I also wasn't allowing it. So I was essentially my own worst enemy, creating a dynamic that I was having a hard time seeing my way out of. And I think worst of all, of all of that, was that nobody ever stayed the night. No one ever stayed the night because they had to either go home to their husbands, they had to go home so they could get up and get themselves together to go to work because no one came with a bag, or they had to go back home and be there by the time their kid woke up. All of them were very plausible reasons, but the bottom line was that I was waking up in bed alone and there would never be anybody there. And I'd do the same thing every single time somebody stayed at my house. I'd strip my bed, throw everything into the washing machine, go get some sage, sage the hell out of my bedroom, and shower, and start all over, despite the number of women that were present in my life at that point in time. I was lonely as hell, and it was time to pull out. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree in getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTac beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. So although I had my growing list of names of women that I was trying to plow through, I shelved all of that, I tabled it, and then I decided that I was going to try to do the straight and narrow. I was at the local wine tasting that I had gotten in the habit of going to when I first lived in my apartment. When I met a woman who was there with a couple of her friends, she was very attractive. Uh, she was about a she was a year or so older than me, and for me, she gave off the aura that she didn't play games, she didn't play no mess, she didn't take no shorts, she just didn't play. And I liked that. I liked that grown woman energy. I liked that self-assured, confident, I'm in charge, I own my own business energy. I liked it. It was cool. And we got to talking. Our relationship was primarily a text relationship. We talked a little bit over the phone, but it was primarily a predominantly a text relationship. But it was cool. So after I had watched a TED talk on I had watched a TED talk on dating and 
learned some valuable information. Uh, it had something to do with uh, a zero date. So what a zero date is, is that you meet someone and you determine within seconds whether or not you can spend time with them, and they you. So you have a date with them that ha is of no consequence. You don't go to a fancy restaurant. You don't go anywhere that's going to, where you're going to have to put on airs or put on a show. You do something simple, like go to a coffee shop or, you know, go for a walk. Something real simple. So we did something nice and quaint. We had sushi at a delicatessen slash restaurant housed inside of one of the larger, more popular grocery stores here in Atlanta. It was nice. No ambiance whatsoever, just two grown black folk talking. We talked about our kids a lot. We talked about schooling a lot. We talked about our co-parents a little. We talked about the challenges being a single parent, if you will, even with a co-parent, a little. We didn't talk much about us at all. We talked. We talked about making money. She talked about real estate. I talked about marketing. It was easy peasy. We talked, and I appreciated talking. I appreciated having a non-sexual conversation. I appreciated learning who she was. Yeah. So, a few weeks later, she reaches out, you know, after us, more back and forth. A couple of weeks later, she reaches out and says... Um, you want to meet up for this uh, wine, it's a half bottle wine night at this one restaurant that's in town as well, close, not too far from me. I said, sure. What time do you want to meet? She gave me a time. I got myself up off my couch. A little bit of depression was starting to set in a little bit, I think, because I was still not working from when I got released from my university job. And I wasn't, pre you know, like... It was something that I needed to do to get out of the house. Yes, the workout was kicking in. Yes, I was losing weight. Yes, my endorphins were always flowing, and I was starting to feel good about myself. But I needed to be active. Being active is what saved my life. Um, it, being still, being still because of you know meditation and self development and all the rest of that is wonderful. Being still when you're feeling some kind of way about yourself sometimes can be problematic. So I needed a distraction, and she was a perfect distraction. I thought we'd have a good time. But then she texted me back to say she had to cancel because her friend wasn't coming. And I was like, your friend's not coming? Okay. I mean, I thought you invited me, but it's cool. So then she texted me back to say, hey, my friend is able to come, so we're going to meet up over there. Do you want to meet us? I said, sure. At this point, I had no motivation to go because I didn't quite grasp why she would why she had invited me, but seemed to make the invitation contingent on whether or not her friend was coming. So I took my time. I figured out what I wanted to put on, figured out what looked decent on me, and then I met up with her.
got there, nice, nice bar, really nice bar. It's a Spanish-y type restaurant, not Latin, but Spanish, Spain Spanish. There was a large crowd of guys there, and a good amount of them were were uh, around her. I mean, she's an, she was an attractive woman. She was shapely. She was very shapely, and she was, you know, seemed like she was on point, like, you know, powerful. I could understand how that would attract men to her, cause them to flock to her. And they were around her and her girlfriend, who I had met bef- whom I had met before at the wine tasting. I, I came into the bar and I didn't exactly know what to do. And I kind of s- slowly walked up, but she welcomed me into the group and the guys were all cool. But they were talking about relationships. They were talking about dating and what's wrong with men and what's wrong with women. And that was like a buzzkill for me. That's just not my thing. I, it, it just isn't. I mean, there's certain hours of the day. I'm all about equitable treatment of human beings. I'm all about, you know, our, the children. I'm all about love and romance and all the rest of that. But there's sometimes during the day when I just don't want to talk about that stuff. And in a sexy-ass bar where the lights are low and there's black brick wall and white marble white countertops and candlelight going... And when the wine is the half, the, the, the wine at half price is flowing. Not that I'm even a wine drinker like that. I just wasn't interested. I just wanted to chill and not think and, 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 and talk about whatever mundane things. And I don't mean mundane like superheroes. I mean just mundane stuff. How are you? What's going on? What was your day like? Or just anything, but not like the age-old what's wrong with men, what's wrong with women thing. Anything but that. Anything but that. Maybe talk a little bit more about each other, you know? So anyway, I guess the guys figured out. The guys were on the hunt. And, you know, they they pieced out, said peace out to me. They were really cool. And they moved on to the other part of the bar. And in hindsight, I kind of wish I had moved on with them because they started making moves. And they started making moves on some honeys using some old language there so anywho i'm with the girls the ladies the women and she looks at me the woman that i have been talking to let's just call her i don't know t smooth so t smooth looks at me she's sitting on a bar stool i'm standing there and her girlfriend is sitting next to her and she goes, so what's your deal? And I said, I'm sorry. What, I mean, what deal? I don't have a deal. She said, do you date? I date, did not go out on a date with you. She said, right, but you're just talking. Like, we're, we're, you, you've just had, you know, we've had, like, casual interaction. But, like, nothing's really come of it. So I look at her. I deadpan her. Then I look at her girlfriend. Then I look back at her. Then I look at her girlfriend. Then I look back at her. And I said, so I thought I was getting to know you. She said, right, but I can't read you. And then the intensity with which I'm speaking is the way she was speaking to me. And I said, well, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a book. I'm not meant to be read. And I'm not meant to be read. I don't think anybody is meant to be read, but there's something about me. I bristle up when someone is trying to peel back the layers that I'm not inviting them to peel back. If it happens naturally, then so be it. If I'm put on the spot, for some reason, I just it's just a thing of mine. I don't like it. And if somebody reaches 
and makes an assumption based on something they've heard about me or think they know about me, it's even worse. I look at her girlfriend, I look at her, and I said, but I don't understand why we're talking about this right now. I thought you invited me out to hang out. And she said, I did, but I want to know what your deal is. I want to know, what are you about? I know, I, want, I need to know what you're trying to do. Trying to do with who? We had lunch. We've been talking on the phone and texting and talking on the phone. And I was like, man, really? So when I'm slinging and banging and feeling empty, it's all good. When I'm trying to like be respectful and understanding and just talking to a person for who they are, it ain't enough. What am I supposed to do? So her girlfriend, I'm, I, but I'm not saying any of this out loud. I'm just, this is what's going on in my head. So her girlfriend kind of interjects and she's like, but can't y'all just get to know each other? And she said, T. Smooth says, look, I'm 46 years old. I'm not getting any younger. I need to know where this is going and what is happening with this. And I mean, look, I understand. I, I get it. But I thought we were just naturally progressing as far as getting to know each other. At least I thought, you know, and expectations are a mother, right? So her expectations of me might have been different than my, I, well, I, I'm sorry, not might. Her expectations of me were significantly different than my expectations of her. My expectations were to get to know someone, to see if they were a match and so on and so forth. Her expectation was for me to pursue her with the purposes of dating her, with the purposes of this becoming a romantic interest. Now, the woman who was with her, her girlfriend, who I now realize, who, I, who, who in the moment I immediately recognized, now I knew why she was there. She was there to read me. She wasn't there to hang out. She was there to give her extra perspective on this guy that she's been talking to. So her girlfriend is like, look, I've been married. T. Smooth hadn't been married. She had a child, but she hadn't been married. I think that maybe you should just try to get to know one another. And if things work out, then they work out. And if you realize that it's not a match, you can at least be friends versus trying to force it been there done that got married over that it's not worth it that's literally what she said and i smiled i smiled appreciatively here's someone who probably had been out of the who had been divorced a little bit longer than me had a little bit more perspective and in my head i'm like dang i wish i had chosen her at that wine tasting <laughs> so she was like shoot that's how i feel and t smooth looked a little turned off by that like it wasn't what she was expecting her girlfriend to say it wasn't it wasn't a major face wrinkle that she had but it was subtle enough and i said okay um <clears throat> i'm gonna i'm gonna run to the restroom for a minute so i i hit the restroom and on my way out i look in the mirror and i say to myself this is just never gonna work I'm never going to figure it out. Like, I'm never, like, nothing is ever going to work. I'm literally, like, plowing through women, and that's not right. Now I'm trying to, now I'm trying to do the right thing, and folks want to know what my intention is after lunch. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm looking at myself while I'm saying this, and I'm pulling at my eyes and pulling at my face. And I'm seriously debating walking straight from the restroom out of the restaurant and ditching them. Because where it was situated, I could leave it without being seen from the bar. It was literally a straight shot out of the, out of the restrooms to the front door of the establishment. The restaurant was on one side, the bar was on the other. 
the a hallway or corridor, if you will, separated the two. So you wouldn't have seen me if I walked straight out. I was so ready to go home. This was a waste of my time. I was put up, I was put on Front Street for something that wasn't even that big a deal. She could have had that conversation with me personally. Why did she bring her friend in front of it? Bring, why did she bring her friend into it when she didn't have to? She could have had that conversation with me. And even if she wanted her friend to read me, she could have had that conversation in front of her without me. Like, had the conversation with me, then shared the, the shared her notes with her friend, and then they could have done that. I mean, I was slightly embarrassed. I wasn't angry, but I was just embarrassed. So I'm staring in the mirror, and I'm pulling at my face, and blah, blah, blah. And I get a text message. And it's a, a picture of, like, this mountainous terrain off of a hotel balcony that had outdoor furniture on it. And it was like, hey, Eric, I'm in San Francisco on business for a week. You want to come out and join me? And I looked at the message and I was like, oh, my God. And I said, well, I can't because my daughter starts school this week and uh, I got I to gotta take her. You know, I, I'm doing the pickup and the drop off, especially since I wasn't working out like that was like the least I could do. I mean, I take her to school every day anyway, but I wasn't going to try and not take her while I didn't have a job. So she says, OK, well, look, let's make plans. Let's do something. Let's meet up somewhere. Like, let's pick a place and meet up. <laughs> I looked in the mirror and I said, bet. And I texted her back and I said, yeah, let's do it. I, I put I slipped my phone into my back pocket. I walked down the corridor to the front door of the restaurant. And T-Smooth and her girlfriend were at the front door <laughs> waiting on me because they had decided to call it a night and wanted, you know, and wanted to let me know before I had hit the bar again. So that plan went up and we walked. I walked them to their cars. I walked uh, the divorcee friend to her car first and she drove off. T-Smooth had her Audi truck valeted, so I waited for her, gave her a nice, big, strong hug. She was like, ooh, you have nice, strong arms. You give nice, big, strong hugs. Yeah, that hug was the last hug that I planned to give her, so I wanted to make it worthwhile. I wished her well for the night. I asked her to text me to let me know that she got in, and I made it a point to never speak to her again. At that moment, I promised myself I would never engage with her seriously again. As I walked away, the night air brushed against my face. The sound of the car zoomed back and forth. It was nighttime. It was summertime. And my favorite time is summertime at night. One of my favorite times of the year is summertime at night because, you know, the world is just so quiet and peaceful. And even when there's noise like cars and motorcycles and stuff like that, it's just romantic. And it, 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 just, it was just a wonderful, balmy night. And despite that bad news that I got about my friend from high school committing suicide, something that I was, wasn't able to verify at the moment, in the back of my mind was that text message inviting me to California to spend time. I knew that if I did that, I would have a good time with this person because this person had the capacity to do whatever she wanted, wherever she wanted, whenever she wanted. So then, the new goal became making that a reality. 
And that's all we've got today for the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. Thank you for listening. Tune in for the season finale, episode 10. I'm your host, Eric Payne. Thank you for listening. I think I said that already. Please follow me on my social channels. They're listed in the notes. We'll see you the next time. Or rather, you'll hear me the next time. Until then, be well, be blessed, be positive, be powerful, be still, be anointed, be graceful, be courageous, be amazing. But most important of all, be you. Peace.